0: Steven, finally, you're a Florida Governor's Cup champion. What does this mean to you? Man, i tell you what, I've uh, been trying to get my name on this trophy for a long time. Had a couple of them slip away from me, and um, I wasn't going to let that happen tonight. You know, I was going to run William hard, and, uh, you know, he's a great driver. I really appreciate him running me as clean as he did. You know, he was trying to run me up a little bit, and I was, I was doing everything I could to hold him down. And uh, it's unfortunate that he had the right front go down right there. I was happy to see it, but it's definitely unfortunate. You know, we got away with one. He had a good car, and uh, you know, I can't say enough about this group. This Anthony Campy Racing—they're just bringing such good race cars—and just you know, really turn my, my my year around. And I, I do feel like we have a good shot going into the Derby to uh, to pull it off this year. Hey, hey! Welcome back to another episode of the Racing with Ryan podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stevens. And there you heard it at the top of the show, the raw emotion from Stephen Nassi and how much this Governor's Cup victory meant to him. Boy, what an exciting weekend of racing over there at New Smyrna for the Florida Governor's Cup. The return after a one-year hiatus thanks to the stormy weather that came through here. So, man, that's what we're going to spend this show talking about. We have quite a bit to talk about. As a matter of fact, we're going to split the Florida Governor's Cup topic into two different segments of the show And we're going to start with day one of the Florida Governor's Cup, or I'm sorry, with the actual Florida Governor's Cup. And then we'll go back to the prelude in segment two. Then we'll do a quick around-the-state wrap-up, tie-a-bow-on-everything situation in segment number three. So first and foremost, I want to thank everybody that did come out to the Florida Governor's Cup. uh, Whether you worked, uh, you came as a fan, you came as a crew member, a family or a driver. I mean, the the place was packed on Friday. My goodness, it looked like the World Series. Um, Now, obviously, when you shove, you know, 10-11 divisions into a a half-mile facility, um, you know, yeah, it's going to be full. And we had a very good field for the Governor's Cup. We had a few no-shows, and we picked up a couple uh, that we weren't sure were coming, and we ended up with a great field. Man, one of the most competitive fields in a long time. I think this race had More lead changes than the last two Governor's Cup runnings combined. It was very competitive. The restarts were heart-pounding. I mean, just fantastic stuff. So I'm going to take a deep dive into all of that, give you my thoughts on uh, what, in my opinion, is perhaps one of the best Governor's Cups that I've seen, uh, perhaps one of the best Governor's Cups Ever. Of course, that's up to your interpretation, but I thought it was great. Even with that competition yellow that came out with about 17 laps to go, uh, that just gave us some more exciting restarts. Because, Like I said, the restarts in this thing was, were very exciting. So I'm going to go ahead and jump right into the super late model Florida Governor's Cup portion of our recap show here. Um as we talked about last week, I had about 23, 24 names on an entry list, and we started 24, or we had 24 qualify for the event. 23 started. Um, we did have a 25th car that was actually there, signed in. Richard Elkins did make the trip over, but he, pract- or he crashed in Saturday's practice session um, and unfortunately loaded up and went home. So we would have had 25. Um, we had a couple drivers that... Uh, said they were coming that did not make it. Terry McMahon and Robert Ford are the two that that jump out to me. Um maybe a, another one or two. There were there were a couple of paid entries in the prolate model side too that didn't end up racing. So sometimes things happen. Like I said, you know, the entry list is a good you know gauge, good guide about who you're gonna see, but it's never a guarantee. I mean you know, Richard Elkins, he was on the entry list, and some people were like, well, he's not in the race. Well, he was there. He made an attempt. He made an effort to get over here. And we usually have that. We usually have a casualty or two. I remember a couple of years ago when we had a, a small field, there was like three or four actual like big-name drivers that paid to enter and weren't able to make it because of the previous weekend's action at, uh, at, at, at I guess it was All-American 400. Um, just Just to be clear, I don't just take random ass names and put them on an entry list to beef up the entry list. If it's 12 cars and I know, you know, if I know of 12 cars, then I know of 12 cars, but I also know that, um, and, and appreciate those that reach out to me and say that this car's coming, this car's coming. And sometimes those plans change. And again, we don't require people to pre-register. If you just want to show up, then show up and race. And that's, you know, what happened on Sunday? We picked up two cars on Sunday. So, um, it's Kind of how the weekend went, a lot of practice, in my opinion. It's too much practice. Um, it's just to me, it just helps the bigger teams get even farther away from everybody else since they're the ones that can afford to slap tires on whenever they want, they can afford to, you know, run, 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 go, go, go. I, I would like to see a little bit less practice. Um, that way we can get some more of these cars to the end of this thing. As I talked about last week, I predicted. Attrition would probably be a story. Not that that's you know a bad thing. I just talk about it because it's the part of the race's story and how the race develops and evolves. And we saw plenty of attrition, a few wrecked race cars, and a few that just pulled off because something went wrong. So, um, yeah, I talked to CRA about practice, and I said, "Hey, I'm not. I'm seriously asking here. Why so much practice for these things?" And why a Sunday practice? And they said, you know, Sunday's practice is, you know, get them ready to qualify. Um, they can, you know, make sure their setup's good to go on race day. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. So I kind of think if we're going to have a Friday practice, an open practice, then that's good. But I don't think the Superlates need two rounds of practice on Saturday and then a round of practice again on Sunday. Um, maybe just to practice on the day you race. That's just that's just my thoughts. And they're gonna look at revamping the schedule a little bit, try to tighten some things up. In my opinion, overall, from where I was able to gauge it from, a very successful weekend and a, a well-run race. Um, say what you want about the formats or whatever, but any big super late model asphalt race these days has some kind of competition/slash controlled caution element to it. Um Maybe I'd ex-nay those within 25 to go if it were up to me, but that's just my humble opinion. And um, still, like I said, the restarts in this race were phenomenal. A couple of times, three wide off turn number two, and everybody minded their P's and Q's. There was just that one big dust-up with Brad May, who thankfully didn't collect anybody. Um, a lot of the spins and the wrecks in this thing were minor, They were exciting because sometimes they would happen up in the middle of the field or around other people. Um, You know, there were some torn-up race cars. But over the course of 200 laps, you get that. You get torn-up race cars in practice. So it's just the nature of racing. You're going to end up with torn-up stuff. This was definitely, like I said, one of the more eventful Governor's Cups. I've seen everyone since 16. And um, some years you get somebody like Matt Craig who just comes out and dominates. Some years it's like, you know, one lead change like last year, uh, or last time we raced, you had um, Chandler Smith leading, and then he broke on a restart right after halfway. And then his teammate Sammy Smith took the lead, and that was it. This race had comers and goers, and we haven't even talked about Stephen Nassie yet. So um, before the green flag, speaking of Stephen Nassie, before the green flag even. Uh, came out, Stephen Nassie was in the back and uh, they, they had pulled the car off the grid and he had uh, power steering issues and they were working on that. So he had to start at the back of the field. And to me, again, a lot of my perspective when I do the show is as a race fan. So for me as a race fan, seeing Stephen Nassie come through the field like that was so exciting. And then we had a restart uh, the field kind of stacked up behind him and one car went spinning out of control and Steven Nassie has sparks coming out of the right front. He goes in the corner caution comes out, saves him. he comes down pit road, fixes it up. But again, this is still in the first half of the race. So he's got to come back from that once again. And again, watching him charge up through the field was super exciting. And then he gets into the lead late and you think, Oh, he might drive away. And here comes William Byron. And he and William Byron had a hell of a duel. I think with like four or five laps to go. They were door-to-door in turn number three, fighting for space on the racetrack. Made some contact. And ultimately, I believe uh, Stephen Assey thought that the contact between he and Willie B. late in the race kind of cut down a tire on William Byron. It sounds like uh started losing oil pressure. So it was actually a mechanical issue on the, the William Byron machine that took him out shy, about five laps shy, of the checkered, make that three laps shy here, looking at the uh, scorecard. But, I mean, Stephen Nassie watching him on this day was worth the price of admission alone. Um, I called it on my prediction show. I just felt like this was going to be Stephen Nassie's year, and lo and behold, it was not easy, you know, coming through. He had to have passed, you know, 50 cars on his way to the front and then through all the restarts and the dogfighting in between, just incredible uh he was able to hold his poise a lot of people that I talked to said yeah Stephen Assy's fast but sometimes he, he's not poised enough you know to win these these elusive races and man, I mean I think he's matured a lot yeah he can still be nasty nasty don't don't get me wrong he doesn't like to be roughed up driven dirty um, but he's aggressive so I can see where you know some of the naysayers would will stem from but man you, you can't deny Stephen Assy's talent After watching this race, Uh, you just can't deny it. It was phenomenal to watch him just uh, come through the field. And it's so hard to pass in these cars. You you get up towards the top five, and you try to make a pass, and it could take 20 laps. But Steven was able to be methodical and make his way to the front. And then we had that late race restart. Looks like William Byron's going to come take it away from him. Nasty might be the bridesmaid again. Uh, but as Steven said in his victory lane speech, he's like, I've let a lot of these slip away and I'm not going to let that happen this time. And sure enough, he, he didn't, he definitely did not let this one slip away. Um, Steven Assey picks up his first career governor's cup. Like I said, so exciting. Um, I was able to have Steve Darling from Armandale come over and join me up in the booth, um, I was like, man, the the seat is yours uh, if you survive two nights of tour destruction at Auburndale. Plus, he was fighting off a, a little bug. So, I really appreciate his efforts to make like the three hour trip over to New Smyrna to be part of the Governor's Cup. Um, it helped me, of course. You know, I know Governor's Cup technically with practice is only three days, three nights, um, but and I do speed weeks, which is three times as long. But still, I mean, three straight days going at it. All the walking, all the notes, all the talking. Um, it was very nice to have him up there. I appreciate his perspective on things. And it was nice. One of my favorite parts about this race, having him up there, is when the cautions came out, we were able to talk back and forth and have some opinions and build some, build upon some of the storylines and, and share some of the information that we had versus just, okay, cautions out, here, some music, which I, I do use that tastic, especially on weekly shows, especially as it gets later. Um, but when the Big events happen. It, it was so nice to have him to bounce that off, and he did well. Plus, he's given me so many opportunities over there at Auburndale. I, I felt like extending the olive branch and inviting him over to our biggest race of the year was was more than uh, was more than fair, and uh, just so glad he was able to make it because I, I had fun. I had fun. So, um really enjoyable race for me. But with, with Steve up there, I was telling him like every restart, I was on the edge of my sh- of my seat. I wanted to stand up. I was nervous. There, there was intensity to this race. There, there was an intensity to this super late model race that we had not seen for quite some time. And I'm not saying it was intense because there was a big horrific wreck or something. The restarts, the competition, what it meant to win the Florida Governor's Cup, you could feel it again. You know, the last couple of years, it's like, oh yeah, there's some good cars here. Don't get me wrong. But this year, the, the field was stacked. I mean, you have good names all up and down the list. So many fast cars, first of all. Um, I want to rewind all the way. I know I'm rambling because I'm still excited about this race. Um, kudos to the Florida boys. Uh, George Gorham, Michael Atwell, Jesse Dutille, all out-qualifying William Byron. When William came out and set fast time, I was like, oh, that's probably it. Everybody's got him almost penciled in at this point. You know what I mean? Uh, with, with Anthony Campy Racing, with his success in the Cup Series, with his successes here during the World Series the last couple of years, you just kind of think, oh, well, he's going to get it. You know, he's the favorite. And then Michael Atwell comes out and sets fast time. That kid, he's getting the job done. He just, he's got fast cars. He just needs a little more luck on his side at New Smyrna. Something always seems to happen to him. Yes, he got the win two weeks ago, whatever it was. Not the way he wanted to. So he still feels like, I would imagine deep down, that this place owes him something. And he led a lot of the beginning stages of the race, had some mechanical problems towards the... uh not the, the three-quarter mark here. One, lap 136 actually did him in, so just shy, shy of the three-quarter mark. Um, I'm going to take a look at the official finish rundown to kind of give some highlights of some of these guys. So a lot of good guys had great days going and a lot of impressive runs. So, um, And then we can kind of fill in some of the blanks here. Is it's, it's hard to remember every single lead change and every single caution in a 200-lap race. But, uh, of course, Steven Nassi got the win. So thrilled to finally get his first Governor's Cup start. I believe it was start twelve for him, and he finally gets it done, besting his career best finish of second a couple of years ago. Anthony Sergi back behind the wheel is super late for the first time in a while. Uh, correcting me in victory lane that he's actually working for Gibbs now on the Xfinity side. I kept saying the truck deal. I remember because I remember seeing him on TV that one time with the when the truck deal was going down. So I've had that in my head. Um, Anthony reminded me that he's on the Xfinity side now, moving up the ladder and uh, comes back to his home track at New Smyrna, had the uh, help of Jet Motorsports, uh, some of the Jet Motorsports guys this weekend, getting him back up to, you know, full song, and, man, he did great. When uh, William Byron and Steven Assey were battling there towards the end, uh, Anthony was kind of reeling him in, but Anthony did a great job uh, to finish second at career best in this race. Jesse Dutelli continues to run well here. Um, This place, for some of those drivers that really just run the bull rings, this place is really tough. I mean, some really good drivers have tried to come over here and they just usually don't have the success. But that's starting to change because these guys are starting to come over more and more. Um, Then you get a guy like Jesse Dutille, who hasn't been running much either. He shows up and they fought all weekend to get back to that speed that they've had the past few years when they've run. And he found it. He was leading late. It was a contender, um, ran well all day long and finishes third. So um, he's a guy that, you know, he's knocking on the door of these things now, and I think if he keeps at it, he can get himself a Governor's Cup win here in the next three, four, five years. Michael Goddard might have been the, one of the, you know, the second most impressive driver of the day, aside from Steven Nassi coming through the field uh, twice. You expect Steven Nassi to be up in the front, and nothing against Michael Goddard because he's proven himself vastly this year. Uh, got, the, got the win in his own equipment earlier in the year than hooked up with uh, Kaufman Racing here. Uh, had a rocket ship in that black number 58 podium finish back in, in the middle of the summer and then um, destroyed that car two weeks ago on lap three in that fiery crash. So he came back for the Governor's Cup driving the car that John Kaufman normally runs. And it took that, like just like Jesse Dutille, it took them much of the weekend to work on their car. So I guess, yeah, this is where you can say, well, Ryan, this is where practice is so important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Um, But Michael Goddard and team worked so hard on on that car. Qualified middle middle of the pack. Uh, Ran decently inside the top 10 most of the day. But towards the end, you know, the car was able to survive and um, able to fight those late race restarts and get up to fourth. And that was after spinning in turn three. And it was almost deja vu. He's down on the bottom of another competitor. I think it was Bobby Goody he was battling with. And uh, goes into the corner, down on the apron a little bit, de-wedges the car around. He goes, and it looked like a carbon copy of a couple of weeks ago, just more at the beginning of turn three versus the apex of turn three. And um, he goes into the outside wall, just kisses it. So no damage was done, but if you hear my commentary uh, on the highlights, you'll hear me go, oh, no. So I'm just like, not again for this team. Um, But again, went for the spin cycle, came back to finish fourth. Definitely uh, a standout day for Michael Goddard and Kaufman Racing. Daniel Webster, another driver. hung around all day, right around the top five, Um, I think I talked in the the preview show that if he can make it the whole race, I I believe he can get a top five and sure enough, he did. And there was some intensity in those last few restarts and Daniel Webster put his car in the right spot. Um, you know, had Brad May cut across his nose, put Brad May into the spin cycle and luckily didn't get collected himself and collects himself a top five in in the governor's cup. Daniel Webster, again, just a a great year and and a great exclamation point for that team. Speaking of Brad May, who again, he went for the spin cycle late he clawed back up through the field. He. It was a quiet day for Brad May and team as they did uh, wrap up the Sunbelt Series championship for the second season in a row. Kind of, like I said, a quiet day, but they hung around the top 10 all day long and finished in the sixth spot. Bobby Good had an eventful day, bounced off the concrete a couple of times. And um, anybody that was at the racetrack uh, live is, is the full race video has not been able to be released from Speedway video yet. Um, You, you might've heard me, at the racetrack, when George Gorham had his issues that maybe bounced off Bobby good. Um, upon further review, that's definitely not the case. I didn't, I just, I say that cause I don't want people to think I was accusing anybody. I was just wondering cause I did look up and see Bobby good out of shape and Gorham in the wall uh, there was no contact Bobby good just reacting to Gorham, but Bobby good. He fought the wall a couple times and didn't let the wall win and finished in seventh Johnny Aramendia. A great day for this youngster. Um, trying to just get some experience under his belt. First super late model start, able to finish in the eighth position on the lead lap, completing their objective for the weekend, which was to finish the race and run all the laps. They did just that, and they scored an eighth-place finish. Connor Sutton, I believe, was in a car prepared by Finney. He was parked over there with the Finneys, um, or at least had you know support from the Finneys here this weekend. Um, he didn't do a whole lot of practicing. I had wondered on Sunday morning if we had lost the 54 car. Um, But lo and behold, come qualifying time, they put tires on roll them through deck, and he comes out and just had a fantastic run. I mean, he did finish one lap down, um, but he he did just what he needed to do, keep the car clean, get the experience. He finishes in ninth. And then Brighton Horner, coming off a top five in the modified race during the prelude, he has a great run and rounds out our top ten. So like I said on the show... Last week, if you can survive to the end of this thing, you might just sneak out of here with the top 10. Um, because just missing out on the top 10 was William Byron in the 24. Led laps, um, was a competitor all day long, and then with three to go, um, had the mechanical issues that sidelined what probably would have been a podium finish for William otherwise. Ross Francisco, um, boy to him. His first ever New to start um, definitely looked... Uh, you know, it looked like it was a whole new experience for him during practice, but ran 195 out of the 200 laps, and it was the last car um, to take the checkered flag. And he winds up with a 12th place finish, so not a bad outing for Ross Francisco, actually carrying the torch for Gorham Racing on this Sunday after George had his problems, which we'll touch on in a minute. Jesse Love in the 20, he went for a spin about... Uh, three-quarter mark of the race and never was able to recover. Tough day for Donnie Wilson Motorsports. Uh, Both their cars having some issues in the race. Neither one finishes. Fast qualifier, Michael Atwell, down in 14th. Lead laps, kind of made a pit strategy call, which that's what I really do like about the controlled cautions. There is a little bit of strategy. When do you pit? When do you stay out? Do you go for track position? Atwell went for track position, got shuffled out late, and uh, wasn't able to finish. Jonathan Knee had an impressive run going. Went for a spin very early in the contest, didn't hit anything. Went for a spin on a restart that got all accordioned up, didn't hit anything. Kept it going, was up inside the top ten before mechanical problems took him out. John Kaufman in the seventy-eight. Uh, again, I actually was talking to John uh, this afternoon, and and uh, you know something other than the Governor's Cup. But I thanked him and his team for coming, and just said, you know, I you guys have made so much progress. It's been great to see. Uh, his day didn't go so well, though. Um, when the 20 of Jesse Love had issues, John actually spun around. Uh, I think he got on the brakes a little too hard or had the brake bias set, uh, you know, not to where it should have been. And uh, when he stepped on the brakes, the car just whipped around with him, kind of like, a, you know, he reacted to Jesse Love and then, boom, went around and, and hit the wall. Uh, so damage there, tough day for him. Brian Finney, again, right at the halfway point of the race, he went for a spin in turn one. He KO'd the outside wall, heavy damage to his machine that they'll have to work on during the offseason. Ryan Herbert in the 22, uh, he made it halfway through the race before mechanical problems took him out. Team looked good, though. They had some top-10 speed in Sunday morning's practice, and I thought, oh, maybe this guy is going to be the surprise of the week. just didn't go his way. Gio Ruggiero, um, lap 91, broken axle. Well, he was up in contention for the race win. Kind of deja vu for Donnie Wilson Motorsports. Good car up on the front and it breaks on a restart or coming to a restart. It's almost like the same. It's like a carbon copy of 2022, 2021, when we last ran this race. Kind of, you know, same song, different verse, if you will, there. Um, Trent Hennick in the 20, that was a team uh, going for Rookie of the Year in the Sunbelt Series. Uh, Didn't bother to practice until Sunday. Uh, Just out there trying to run his race. Unfortunately, kind of got bottled up with the leaders, got a tap from Michael Goddard in turn one on lap 85 and into the wall He went. Bobby Gordon in the 73, he had suspension issues. The right front tire was bouncing like a basketball coming down pit road. Um, The way he got out of the car frustrated, I I wonder if there was some sort of contact that was made out there on the Speedway that we didn't see, but uh, nonetheless, his day cut short, finished 21st. George Gorham had a huge mechanical failure down the front straightaway, and if you watch Speedway videos, highlight package back, you'll see the car just kind of whip sideways as it comes into view of the camera and then into the outside wall. So, Definitely something broke. There was no contact with Bobby Good, um, Some kind of mechanical failure broke on George Gorm around lap 55, put him into the wall, and put one of the faster cars of the day out of the race. Wes Burton, mechanical problems, took that team out at the 50 lap mark. It was good to see them there. I know they had the uh, some help with the Goolsbeens and some of those guys. Um, There's mechanical problems that took them out. They were one of the first teams to experience the mechanical problems. And then, of course, we had uh, Nick White, who came out, uh, again, did not... Uh, did not practice. This team did not get any practice. Nick came on the track first time in the car since February and uh car was way out of shape and he spun out on lap two of his qualifying effort and backed into the fence and could not start the governor's cup. Then, of course, Richard Elkins, the other DNS as well. So as we alluded to earlier, so there's your full field rundown with a little blurb about how their day went um, to me, Stephen Nassi, Such an impressive drive. Michael Goddard, another impressive drive. Kaufman Racing, an impressive team effort this week after the setback from two weeks ago. A lot of good Florida racers uh, taking home, God, the top seven were all Florida racers. Uh, The Florida Governor's Cup stays here in Florida, and that's what you want to see. We had some great uh out-of-towners come down and try to take the cup home with them. And our Florida boys defend home turf. Like I said, the top seven are Florida regulars, and that's what you love to see. Great season for the Florida Sunbelt series. Brad May does get the championship there. Um, last thing I want to touch on here, i uh t- talk about the mod mini race here to end at segment number one. I saw lots of people talking about the flow racing coverage and I did. I watched a little bit of Saturdays just to see, you know, kind of what was going on. A kind of crazy weekend uh, when I got home Saturday night. I could not sleep, so I threw on the Flow Racing broadcast and, you know, could could tell. It, here's what I'll say, and I'm not going to knock these guys. Uh, Flow Racing is, uh, you know, has teamed up with NASCAR, has the rights to this. This is not a—New uh, does not—listen, guys. New Smyrna does not pay them. They pay for the rights through NASCAR. To broadcast this event. So they had the team that they had, which was completely different from what is here during the World Series. Uh, the team that they have here during the World Series, what my guess is, and from my experience meeting them over the last few years, that's the A team. This, you know, a secondary team, and everybody that I interacted with from, from that side uh, was, was very nice. And, you know, kudos to them for being able to run a broadcast even though it seemed, uh, based on the feedback on social media, it had some shortcomings, but um, if anything, this will make you appreciate your local track videographer, Mr. Tom Stout from Speedway Video. Um, again, he has a 30-day uh, wait period before he can put up the full races due to the broadcasting rights that Flow Racing, uh, you know, has the rights to. So that's the deal here this weekend. But. If you watch uh, Speedway Video's highlights, just make sure you support him by watching those. Maybe watch an ad if you don't want to sign up for the Patreon. Just let an ad run um, so he gets a couple extra pennies for you know his efforts this weekend. Because um, obviously having uh, Flow Racing in there with, with the broadcast, the immediate broadcast rights, the live streams. Uh, at the end of the day, it does cut into uh, his bottom line, which is how he's able to get to these events for us. Um, As you've seen over the past years, he's been able to travel a little bit more. Not every week, but um, he's been able to get out to a few more tracks here recently and will continue to do so. Um, But make sure you go watch his highlight reels. I I almost said to him, like, hey, yeah, Flow Racing is broadcasting this weekend. should make your week easier. And he goes, "No, that makes it harder. Actually, the highlight reels are a lot harder to cut together because it's so much I have to remember and try to get out in such a quick turnaround time. And I said, oh, yeah, I understand. Um, So go back and... uh, If you want to watch the full broadcast right now, Flow Racing, you can still watch it. Uh, Highlights from uh, all the racing we are able to get in on Speedway Video, so you can check that out. Um, Another thing I failed to mention is the weather conditions on Sunday, which I was going to mention kind of towards the end here, but I'll do it now. Treacherous, man. It was kind of spitty and misty. It was like, almost like a cloud had just settled over Central Florida, and it it was like, not fog, but just that you know, persistent, pesky precipitation, that mist. Um, during the morning practice, it was sprinkling a little bit. I kind of thought as the sun rose and it got further into the day, the, the sun might burn that off and we'd be just fine. Every forecast I looked at, you know, it had the the typical Florida 15 to 20% chance of rain at any given various hour, uh, but nothing to be concerned about. Actually, I was more concerned about Saturday than I was Sunday, but that mist eventually as the the sun started to go down and the temperature started to um, uh, drop, the air got heavier, it got thicker, and then it in, instead of just misting, it really it, it it was almost like it was almost like Florida's version of snow. That's the best way. I, it just it felt like little snow, like little tiny snow flurries, like that first snow of the season. If you've ever been up north, um, it felt like that, and I noticed it in Mod Mini Victory Lane as I walked down there. Um, I was like, man, the track is slick all weekend long. I've been so rubbered up. It was gummy and tacky down there. And I'm walking down there and I feel my shoulders getting wet. Um, my shoes, like I was kind of doing a grip test down there. Cause I'm like, oh yeah, the track is wet. And then they had the sportsmen out there and they were trying to get me off the track. And I wasn't going to cut the mod mini guys short because God damn it. They put an effort to be here and deserve an interview. So, um, yeah, the rain uh, picked up, but you could tell at times that perhaps the track was a bit slick and maybe that's what caused some of the the crazy wild three right wide moves is the field was circulating under yellow during the super late model race. I wonder if any of that moisture had a chance to kind of build up, especially in the outer lanes that they weren't running over. Um, and and I don't know for sure, but I did hear constant communication from race control with spotters and, you know, maybe the leader at times would say, Oh, track's not good trying to, you know, sneak in a easy win or something. Um, But no, the the CRA race control, they did a good job to communicate with spotters. And they did have a spotter up on the roof. And obviously, if conditions were uh, ill-advised, they would not have gone back racing. So the weather, I think, definitely threw teams a curveball. It was, for weeks and weeks, it hadn't rained. We haven't seen a drop of rain. So naturally, Florida Governor's Cup weekend, building up to be fantastic. Mother Nature, of course, would have her say. It, It was almost deja vu from a couple of those nights at Speed Weeks, where we would just get that damn mist that wouldn't go away and Um, I hung out for about an hour, hour and a half after the Governor's Cup was done, and at one point uh, the mist and precipitation did let up. However, getting the track raceable uh, would have been rough, and then by the time I left, I had my windshield wipers on uh, about uh, 75% of the way home, so there was still crap in the area, and I I just feel like it sucks to lose the EMOD race, the sports and races were looking like great races, 602 races as well, all looking like great races to end the day, Uh, but I feel like To get the track back raceable, people would have left. Maybe some drivers would have sat out. And I feel like by the time we got cars back on track, it probably would have started raining again. Um, So I think the track made the call they needed to do. But those divisions, if you paid for your armband during Governor's Cup, you'll get in for Red Eye. So there's that. Um, An amazing Governor's Cup. Congratulations to Stephen Nassi getting the win. The other event that we did get in... For the Governor's Cup Sunday was the conclusion of the Mod Mini Challenge Series. A very solid field of 11. uh, Better than I expected. I thought maybe 8 to 10. And we got 11. We had a couple out-of-towners. Race was interesting because Volpe's Motorsports pulled out the the return of the 71. Brand new race car to the Volpe's Motorsports stable with Hachu Jerry Simons, the modified champion behind the wheel. And it was Sean Bass who qualified the fastest. Uh, so he was looking for that perfect season, six poles and he was looking for that sixth win. Um, however, on the initial green flag, Jerry Simons got the jump on the outside. Sean Bass got caught up with Larry Goolsby, and we didn't get our first caution until around lap 17, uh, right before halfway, and that closed the gap. We have another restart, and Jerry Simons again beat Sean Bass. Um, and we had a late-race restart just as Sean Bass, the car is really starting to come back around. And I'm thinking, man, he's going to get him. And we had a late race restart. Bass tried and tried and tried. He did everything he could. It was actually a really good race up front between Simons and Sean Bass uh, towards the end. Last five laps were really good. But Jerry Simons gets the first win in the debut of the 71. So now Volpius Motorsports has a new streak with undefeated race cars. When the 112 came out, it went undefeated for like a year and a half. And now Jerry Simons is going to start. Or, you know, I don't know what their plans are. Uh, they might be cutting back a little bit from what Timmy told me. Um, sometimes it's easy to say that at the end of the year and then the new year rolls around and you get the bug again and you're ready to go back at it. So I, I hope that they don't uh, scale back. Um, I hope they at least run one car full-time. Um, but anywho, Jerry Simons does get the win and breaks the streak of the 112. Sean Bass second easily wins the championship and comes up just two points shy or one position short of a perfect season. Larry Goolsby drove a great race. He was about the only other car to be in anybody's zip code. Uh, didn't have anything for the 71 and one to, uh, 112, but Larry drove a great race. And uh, that's why I made sure to, I don't care that I was being ushered off the track. Um, I made sure to go interview him uh, because I appreciated his efforts to be here. David Russell came home with a quiet fourth place run. Mark Broth squeaks out a top five on Florida governor's cup weekend. So, that was awesome to see Mark get a good run. Jared Zebley was sixth, seventh for John George, who went for a wild spin down the front straightaway. Uh, an amazing save, didn't get the yellow he needed, um, so he finished back in seventh. Eighth for Ernie Winton. he also went for a spin. James Glover had mechanical issues. Aaron Jackson had mechanical issues. And Jeff Firestein was parked because, and I know he's going to be one of, those, it's one of those out-of-towners that now is going to be like, oh, screw that place. I, I mean, I hope not, but I could see it because... He ran over the choose zone, ran right over the orange mark, and then uh, didn't listen to race control. They gave him a break. They stopped him on the racetrack, told him to go to the back. He did not. He came back up through the field, and at that time, they had had enough um, and parked him for failure to listen to uh, instructions from race control. So when I have had to say that in the past, and to some people, that that is just BS, you know. But again, if you don't listen to race control and you get them on your bad side, they're just going to park you, so – um, that's what happened to Jeff. I hate it for him. He had a good car. Um, just it wasn't up, you know, up on the procedures, which is why, again, we have the general rules and procedures posted. And that's why I beg you guys to read those, if, especially if you've not been here in a while. Read the name rules so you know what you're doing and you don't just get unreasonably mad. Um, before we take our first commercial break and we'll come back and cu- quickly go through the prelude, I got some interesting stats here from... The Florida Governor's Cup 200. Uh, Michael Atwell set your your fast time this week and at eighteen four zero one. That is ninety seven point eight two one mile an hour average around a high banked half mile. So you know these cars are going basically about a hundred mile an hour all the way around this track. It's pretty incredible. Uh, the average speed of the race for the 200 Lapper. Now obviously the controlled cautions and the caution downtime slows this down. Was forty five point three eight four mile an hour. The Mod Mini average time to go 50 laps was 51.826. I just kind of find that interesting. But again, those controlled cautions, the downtime for the cautions, which some people really don't like. Uh, but again, rules and procedures. They were put online. They were out there for the public to see um, if that's not your style. Um, make sure you, you know, but before you want to get on on the internet and whine about what you saw, make sure you know what you're coming to see. Um, cause it could, you know, Hey, if, if you think it's, you know, you wasted 35 bucks to get in and you couldn't enjoy the racing in between the breaks, then I don't know what to tell you. So, um, yeah, just some stats I found interesting, uh, fast time for Jerry Simons in the race was actually an, um, a 21.184. So, uh, Michael Atwell, I'm sorry, Michael Atwell's fast time. That was from the race, not from qualifying. Uh, my mistake. Um, but the difference between a super late model's best time in the race and a mod mini's best time in the race, a 97.821 to an 84.954. Just some interesting stats there that were on the bottom of the notes here that I have that I figured I'd share. Um, again, it seemed like a mostly positive reception to this year's race. Some don't like the format with the controlled cautions, but we've had controlled cautions ever since I've been going to Governor's Cup back in like 2016 and probably before that. Snowball Derby has it. Um, hell, the All American 400 is not even a 400 lap race anymore. It's either that or the Winchester 400. They they actually have a 100 lap pro late model in there now that makes it 400 laps uh, 400 laps on the weekend. Um, the re- the and, and I'm going to break after this because uh, I got to get to Prelude and I got to get through the show. Um, the reason for the controlled con- uh, cautions, controlled pit stops. Um, if we do open competition pit stops. These drivers, all of them are going to end up spending way, way more money. They're going to, like, double to triple their cost depending on, you know, what their budget is. They're going to hire, you know, William Byron would have had his Hendrick Motorsports picker down here and stuff like that. Uh, to me, that just kills the essence of the competition. Um, you want the drivers to come with their best stuff. You want the best drivers to be able to shine and, and you know, go to the front with the stuff they've worked on. But I, I prefer putting this in the driver's hands and letting the battle be about who's fastest on the racetrack versus who's got the best pit crew and who's, in essence, more or less spending the most money. Yes, if you're going to come out here and compete for the Florida Governor's Cup, you're going to spend money. Uh, The winning team, yeah, it was nice to take home that $15,000 check for the win. Um, Get that, you know, put that in the bank, uh, get you over to the next race. But, you know, nobody was making a big chunk of money on this race. This is not a... Uh, richest race. It's nice. It's, it's, it's nice to have a a decent purse. But um, again, if it was open pit stop competition, to me, that takes away from the battles on the racetrack. I'm not a big fan of pit stops anyways, even on the NASCAR level. Like that's usually when I'm up going to the bathroom or grabbing another beverage or something to eat. And then I'm like, oh, okay, well, here's the restart. Um, I like seeing it settled on the racetrack. So well, yes, it does disrupt the flow of things. Like that caution that came out with 17 to go. We had a great battle for the lead, and then you could tell about two laps before the spotters were relaying that information to their drivers that there was going to be a comp yellow, and they both backed off a little bit. I don't know if you saw it. I noticed it. Um, so yeah, you know, it does interrupt the flow of things. But the other alternative, you run the whole thing. You have these crazy pit, pit crews. It probably for prevents some local teams from getting here, from being able to race. Probably would add a small field. Um, without Comp Yellows, you would have been you would have been crying on Facebook um how boring the race was. So we had an exciting race, and those comp yellows helped keep it spicy. If we didn't, I think y'all would have been saying, Oh, it's so boring, it's so long green flag runs, nothing happened, nobody passed anybody. Um, there are just some people over my years of being involved with this that you just can't make happy, and it's usually the same group of immature people um, that have negative things to say. And sometimes there are things that need to be said because they are negative. I get that. Believe me, I, I get it. And I appreciate the constructive criticism when it is due. Um, but again, I just, I, I just make the point, uh, you know, none of this was a secret about how it was going to go down. Um, again, it's going to be more or less the same sort of deal at Snowball Derby. So if you don't like the Comp Yellows, then I don't want to hear how great Snowball Derby was either because it's going to be the same sort of deal. But anyways, that's my message of the day, I guess. Just try to enjoy the racing on the racetrack and the fact that um, these tracks that are able to put on these big events can still put on a damn show for you. It's not easy to put on a show like this. The amount of time, effort spent uh, to get the track in, in shape, to get the personnel in place, and then get everybody parked. Uh, it's uh, it's crazy, man. And, and we, we have, you know, not to, I don't need to go on the ins and outs of how the operation is run. Um, we only have a, a handful of people that are here throughout the week actually doing everything. Uh, many of us wear many different hats, myself included. And I do a lot of the things I do because sometimes if, if you love something and you want it to be decent, you step up and do it. And that's how all of us work. And um you know, listen, since I started working there, I haven't missed a lap. So there's where my dedication lies. Um, and at the, the same token, I am so appreciative of everybody that came. It wasn't the biggest crowd in the world. It was very solid. The parking lot was full. Um, I was pleased with it. Um, I think the weather ultimately scared a few people away. Maybe the price point scared a few people away. Maybe they said, I'm going to stay home and watch it on Flow Racing, which they would have had a better time at the racetrack, I think. And that is not a knock on Flow. I'd say that all the time. Just, um, anyways, thank you to all those who came. Um, Ashley Moody was, uh, was, was very great, very pleasant. Um, I don't, you know, I typically don't make a big deal about celebrities or meeting people and stuff, but I did, um, want to, as I just went to speak to her about what the plan was for opening ceremonies, she actually had a conversation with me and, and a genuine conversation at that. So that was very pleasant. Um, everybody down the front straight away this year, very pleasant, uh, Bob Sargent, um, got a lot of respect for that man after just the brief interactions I had with him. Excited for that 200 lap ASA race coming for speed weeks. Um, and the only other thing I have left to talk about is opening ceremonies. Normally I dread it. Uh, well, I did dread it just because it's usually very unorganized this year. Um, it's still crazy and things are, it's ever evolving. Um, I'm not the director of all this, but I decided this year I was going to, okay, tell me who's coming. And I made my plan. And I stuck to my agenda and I did things my way um, and let the director of personnel, if you will, um, direct everybody where to go. And I stayed out of the spotlight because I am not the spotlight. I let the dignitaries and the drivers shine. Um, I got to a spot where the mic wouldn't feed back as much because it was a little hot, um, which I apologize for. Um, But I try to get through opening ceremonies, make that stuff as painless as possible um, I, there was, there's a lot less, let's race! let's go racing, you know, waiting around this year than there has been in previous years. So, um, at least I've gotten to a point now where I feel comfortable just, uh, kind of looking at the grander scheme of things. Actually, I got an itinerary from, um, Mr. Posey, who was in, in charge of Miss Ashley Moody. And I, I went and said, Hey, here's my idea. And he goes, that actually makes a lot more sense. So I tried to make opening ceremonies as seamless and smooth and, um, uh, you know, as easy as possible, even though it was chaos down there as usual. But uh, anywho, great Governor's Cup. We're going to take a quick commercial break, come back, and cover the prelude on the other side. Hey, everyone. We want to take a few moments and thank some of our great sponsors here with the Racing with Ryan podcast, including one of our first anchor sponsors, 124 Welding and Fabrication. Of course, that is Ron D'Alessandro's company. He's been with us for the last couple of years. Not only here on the show, but supporting local short track racing as well, and the Florida Southern Ground Pounders, and the 602 Modifieds that race over at New Smyrna. Uh, Ron, he's an all-around good guy, and he's very talented. Of course, he can handle all your welding and fabrication needs. But go to his Etsy store, check out Etsy.com, and search for 124 Welding and Fabrication. You can see some of the great items that he already has for sale. They make great gifts. If you got a birthday coming up, or you want to plan ahead for Christmas and start getting some of that knocked out, Check out what he already has to offer. Or you can get with him and have something custom made. We have our Racing with Ryan podcast studio emblem hanging up in the studio. It is a beautiful piece. Uh, Ron does great work. Um, Also very good for for trophies, for awards. I know he did the trophies for the Ground Pounders uh, a couple years ago. And they're some of the coolest trophies I've ever seen. So um, if you need anything like that done, maybe awards for a baseball team, uh, for a quarter midget, for anything like that. Make sure you check out 124 Welding and Fabrication. Obviously, if you need something welded or fabbed, Ron is your man. Keep it local. Keep it trusted. We wouldn't trust anybody else here on the Racing with Ryan podcast except Ron D'Alessandro. And again, we thank him for his support. Again, that's 124 Welding and Fabrication. Check out his Etsy store, Etsy.com. Search for 124 Welding and Fab. It'll come right up and uh, see what he has to offer and purchase yours today. We'd also like to thank our friends at Schultz Engineered Products and Schultz Racing Fuel Cells. If you're in the market for a new racing fuel cell for your vehicle, make sure you check out Schultz Fuel Cells. They're designed and manufactured in the United States to be safer, longer lasting, and they will outperform all other fuel cells that you can get your hands on. Also, they specialize in their fuel recovery systems. You can save on your fuel expenses, significant maintenance reductions along with a safer working environment, better for the actual environment, the outside environment, and it'll eliminate your fuel disposal fees. Those are just some of the products that Schultz Engineer Products focuses on, and you can check them out on the web at schultzproducts.com. You can give them a call at 732-922-4334, or for email inquiries, you can reach out to them at info at schultzproducts.com that's info at schultzproducts.com s-c-h-u-l-t-z schultz engineered products we welcome them as one of our anchor sponsors here on the racing with ryan podcast make sure you check out their website schultzproducts.com for everything that they offer and hey if you're racing and you want to stay safe get one of their fuel cells installed on your race car you will not regret it we also thank SRQ Taxes in Sarasota, Florida. We know tax season has come and gone, but guess what? It's never too early to get a head start on next year or to start thinking about next year. And hey, if you have any issues with your taxes or you know, you're looking to get a hold of somebody that can help out your business, check out srqtaxes.com. Click on their services portal and you can see everything that they offer from accounting software selection, audits, compliance, bookkeeping, business consulting. Um, they do estate and trusts, they do financial analysis, statements, IRS representation in case you have any issues. They even have a notary public on hand for all of those documents that you might need notarized. And of course, tax preparation and planning. So make sure you check out srqtaxes.com located in Sarasota, Florida, or you can, uh, Get with Steve Darling at the Auburndale Speedway. He'll be happy to help you out. SRQ Taxes coming on board as another one of our anchor sponsors here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. We also have a, a couple of supporters that we would like to thank. Of course, um, we have our anchor sponsors, and then we have those that just support the show. And we got to thank Ken Copley. Of course, he is our EMOD sponsor, but we want to thank him for his support here as well. We'd also like to thank Doug Samian with Do All Lawn and Tree Services, He's come back on board as a supporter of the Racing with Ryan podcast. So, if you need anything done in your lawn or if you have any overgrown trees on your yard or lot, make sure you contact Doug Samian. Get a hold of him and he will take care of you. Again, big thank you to Doug Samian, big supporter of the show here, driver of the 04 Superstock. And if you'd like to become an anchor sponsor or a supporter of the show, just reach out to us here on the Facebook page, or you can give us a call at 321-356-2934. $5 an episode gets you on board. And now we'll let you get back to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Hope you enjoyed our look back at uh, the Governor's Cup 200 and some of the ins and outs of of the weekend that, uh, and I'm telling you, these uh, these long race weekends, they get longer and longer every year, it seems. But, uh, man, they they seem to be more and more fun, too, and, and so much more fun every year it's so rewarding to be part of um real quick before i get into the prelude uh just seeing some updates on the legendary journalist and broadcaster uh, ken squire um you know from my neck of the woods uh everybody knows ken squire from his times calling uh, cup races back in the day um you know basically uh lives on the land of thunder road my favorite short track and uh has a, a hand in that place as well and uh if you don't know, uh hasn't been doing too well, and I guess he's been moved into hospice care. So uh definitely thoughts and prayers to the Squire family. Um seems like it's probably by the probably by the time you hear this we'll uh have heard the the news nobody wants to hear, but unfortunately that is all part of life and even the best of the best, their time comes to an end, which is why I'll say Cherish the time you have with the folks that you love and make the most of every day. With that said, moving into the prelude to the cup. First of all, I feel like the pro late models don't get a lot of respect in the racing world. I feel like they're looked at kind of the redheaded step cousin of late model racing. And I think a lot of that stems from, at least in my neck of the woods, from what we see during the World Series where you get, you know, 18 to 25 drivers from all different disciplines from all over the country that come together and race. And you expect them to all just know how each other's going to race and how it's going to be when they head in turn one versus from when you you head into turn one. So typically the first half of the ProLate model week is a bit rambunctious, but then they kind of get it cleaned up and they end up having some good races. And I think the ProLate models, to me, a a 100 lap ProLate model is just as good as a 100 lap SuperLate model race on paper every race has its own story and plays out differently but on paper if you got a good field of pros if you got a good field of supers it's all good racing so i i i don't get why like to me the prelude should have been a packed house too because there's so much racing to be out of such a great value even though the you know ticket prices are higher than a normal race weekend and we had 17 prolates make the call for the start Now, Mike MacLeod did not make it off pit road, but I still count him because, damn, he made the effort to be there and was there and ready to go. It just, he's been having problems with that car. This race, though, in my opinion, could and should change the narrative about pro late models, especially here at New Smyrna and and in Florida. This was, this is what you want to see. 100 laps, clean and green, a great storyline with one of the Florida drivers, Jason Vale setting fast time and leading a lot of the race. And then watching Gavin Buschel, one of the developmental drivers, uh, hoping to make his way up the ranks, kind of start mediocre and make his rise through the field and have a good battle, good clean battle with Jason Vale. And Gavin Buschel got the victory. His first New Smyrna win, Rackley War. They were on the game all week, and they were so fast. Um, Both Gavin Buschel and Connor, uh, I'm sorry, Dawson Sutton, just they they ran so well, and I, this right here—if you think pro model racing is a joke—I invite you to clear your memory, clear your mind, open it a little bit, and watch this race because it was fantastic. Uh, Gavin Michelle does get the win over local driver Jason Vale. Dawson Sutton was third. Hudson Bolger, driver out of Georgia, um, developmental driver, um, he finished in the fourth spot. Anthony Cataldi. Winner a couple of weeks ago, the Jet team just a little bit off their game this week. They finished in fifth. Brad May was sixth. Um, you know, a lot of people were surprised to see him on the very tail end of the lead lap come the checkered flag. He lost power steering in that thing and had to manhandle that thing. And so when I talked to Brad in pre-race during Governor's Cup, he's like, yep, car today feels like a Cadillac after last night. So I love Brad May's kind of, you know, his his short kind of dry, witty humor that he normally carries and You know, it's just one of those things. I'm like, yep, that's such a a Brad May, you know, thing to say. And he's always got such a positive outlook, uh, despite some of the trials and tribulations that even the best go through. Nicholas Noggle came home in uh, seventh. Tim Sozio was eighth. I mean, that's a great – listen to that top eight. What a great field of cars. Um, Good competition. Uh, Ruben Caceres second in the – oh, by the way, Brad May was our Prolate model champion for the Prolate six-pack series. Ruben Caceres comes home second in points there with a ninth-place finish. Blake study 10th, Colby Clements 11th, Steve Reddit. Let's see. As always, completed as many laps as he could. He was he finished the race. He was 6 laps down, but he just he doesn't give up. He tries to get to the checkered flag of every single race and usually 99% of the time does. So, it looks like judging by the scorecard here, 12 of the 17 completed uh the race or took the checkers at the end. Jeffrey White, first car um not the first car out, but the the first one on the list not to finish. He was in thirteenth. Randy Anderson fourteenth. Glad to see that car there. They weren't there for Friday practice, so we added him. Dylan LeBeau, radiator radiator issues, I believe, was the culprit for his prolate model debut. But he did uh, finish ahead of Ricky Moxley in sixteenth, and then Mike McLeay or McLeay did not start. Statistics on this one: best speed a ninety five seven five five. So in essence. Um, Uh, By by the way, that was by Hudson Bulger. In essence, uh, supers and pros, you're you're talking about two mile an hour or so, just about two mile an hour. Let's see. 97.8 to a 95.755. So, yeah, about two mile an hour, best time throughout, you know, the top drivers. Um, Average speed of this caution-free 100-lap race, 92.720 and a 2.755 margin of victory. So some interesting statistics there for the pro late model race. The Modifieds, good field of cars. Uh, 12 took the green. We had 13 of them there on the grounds for the 75 lapper. Definitely a nudge in the right direction for the Modifieds. We are missing drivers like Jason Lester, who had run and won throughout the season, Wayne Parker. Um, you know, could have had 15, but we didn't. We had 13. Um, Jared Allison, a late scratch on the field, 12 took the green. One car struggled, couldn't get a window net up, and was ushered off the speedway early. Uh, but a good race in this one. Dalton Nelson jumped out to a big lead early on as he was looking to back up his recent Modified a Mayhem victory that he got up at Cordell. Uh, this team, they have found something, especially on these bigger tracks, that uh, admittedly uh, Dalton would have told you they struggled at back in the past. It just shows the hard work. Uh, some of these teams, I'm telling you, um, the bull rings, it, man, it's it's so great to have you know two, three, four different bull rings to just pop into week after week and and kind of just go. But when these those guys that have made their homes at the bull ring can come over here and have some success at New Smyrna, I really enjoy um, seeing that success story. Especially for a team like Dalton Nelson, it's not the biggest team, um, <clears throat> you know. They're they're a team where if they can get a tire sponsorship, that can make or break a weekend. But he led for a while. Um, we did have a kind of a, a quick yellow come out when Alan Brun scraped the wall in the front straightaway. Yellow came out. Uh, some will say prematurely. Some will say it was just. It kind of depends on what side of the line you fall on there. Um, in my opinion, it's kind of like NASCAR nowadays. If a car kicks sideways, they throw the yellow. It's almost like you err on the side of caution. And uh, that's what happened on Saturday. That brought up a late-race restart, where Bruce Bennett was able to take advantage of Dalton Nelson, Bruce started up near the front, fell back to about third, then battled with Jerry Simons. Usually, when Jerry Simons gets by you, you don't get back by Jerry Simons, and Bruce was able to. And then Bruce was able to get by Dalton Nelson late in the race to score the win. And I like seeing some personality out of Bruce on the front stretch. He's Bruce is a you know he's kind of a calm guy. He'll he'll make a sarcastic uh, squawk here and there, um, but. You know, anytime I've talked to Bruce, and I don't get to very often, but he's just kind of he, – he he reminds me a lot of Jason Vale, just keeps to himself kind of calm demeanor. Uh, but but Bruce had some some personality in victory lane, and it's nice to see uh, some different people have some success and to see what, you know, that brings out of them, you know, with the human element side of things. Um, but, yeah, Bruce Bennett gets the win here. Dalton Nelson, a great run for that team in second spot. Jerry Simons comes home in third – and claims the championship. And he was uh, one of the drivers talking about how the track was just, it was so tight and so slow with all the rubber being laid down with all the different divisions. Um, So the teams constantly were battling the racetrack this weekend. Greg Crom continued his impressive runs as of late. Um, That team's Achilles heel right now is qualifying. They just can't seem to start up near the front. They have to do a a bunch of passing, and eventually you get up towards the front, and the passing's harder to do. But he settled for a great fourth-place run, Brighton Horner rounding out the top five there. Brighton had a successful weekend. Top five in the mods, top 10 in the super late. Shane Held, veteran racer, came home in sixth. Matthew Jarrett, so the, the Held Jarrett clan, was sixth and seventh. Brian Gaten, won Rookie of the Year this year, came home in eighth. Ninth for Alan Bruns. LJ Grimm ran well early, did not finish. Uh, he wound up in tenth. Troy Robinson had an oil leak. He was ten, uh, 11th in Audrey Shelter, or Slelter in the five. Uh, only a, a couple laps on track before having to pull off with uh, window net Issues ending her event. So not the debut she wanted, but I'm glad they came. Super stocks were in action as well. Only eight of them, uh, which is actually up from where they have been the last couple of weeks. Uh, and we were missing our champion as they went to Alltech to run for the big dirt money. Uh, but Bobby Holly finally breaks the snide. He got back to victory lane, and, and it was nice to see. They've really struggled this year. It was a tough season for the veteran racer. He was able to get by and then hold off George Spears for the win. Tyler Pernesti was third. Fourth was Gage Spears. Brandon Johnson, fifth. Stephen Met sixth. Seventh for Sean Held and Jarrett Corpy, eighth. Jarrett had a great car, and then something went awry on that machine and uh, took him out of it. Um, going back real quick, uh, look at the stats for the modified race. Best lap speed for the modified. So you want to see how the modified's compared to the late models. A 90.689 was the best time. Average speed in the race was sixty seven and a half mile an hour, and the margin of victory, four and a half seconds for Bruce Bennett. Superstocks. Best lap speed for the Superstocks was by Bob Holly, and it was an 83.519, so you can see the speed differential between the classes here with this. Uh, average speed of the Superstock race, this was clean and green, an 82.413 mile an hour, um, seven-tenths of a second, the margin of victory there. Pro trucks were also in action. 19 trucks on the grounds, 18 started the race, fantastic effort, another very clean race, and some um, different players up near the front, or some returning players anyways. Um, One of the interesting stories in this race was Richard Levance, he qualified towards the back, Uh, his truck is for sale, they have different plans for next year after winning the championship, but he was here to support the event, and started towards the back, and tried to carefully maneuver his way through the field, as to not do any more damage to it, And uh, with that said, without the aid of a yellow, he drove up to eighth. So that was fun to watch. Um, But the race was pretty much between Grant Thompson and Chuck Ayers. Uh, Grant making the trip down from uh, what what I call, um, you know, the actual south of Florida, up there in the Panhandle area. They made the trip down and kind of spanked the field. Grant uh, had one of the best trucks all day long, and he was able to hang on for his first new Smyrna win. Chuck Ayers, um, who, you know, again, we can't thank him enough for the sponsorship that he has put into this series to get some of these trucks to come down here. Uh, he finished in 2nd so He's got to take home a little bit of his own money. Uh, Taylor Watson was third, fourth for Jeffrey White. Palmer Hag continued his great year in fifth. Cody Kaufman with a great run in the sixth position. Rodney Haddock finished seventh. Richard LeVance in eighth. Wilson Martin's ninth. Running out the top ten was Richard Griffiths. Todd Hag was 11th. Dalton Smith, 12th. Maria Martin's 13th. Our, our good buddy of the show here, Mr. Jack Hall, in 14th. Randy Kuhn, 15th. Dave Warning made his truck debut and just had nothing but issues with it. Uh, 16th, uh, let's see, uh, Michael Gamache, 17th. Nolan Mesa with the DNS. Uh, best time for the trucks, if you care. Uh, trucks actually a little bit faster than the Superstocks, 87.578. And the margin of victory, uh, 3.262. With the race going caution-free, the average speed was 87.321 mile an hour. Bomber A's, all things considered a good field the Bomber A's. We had 14 cars show up. Uh, Joe Racine, unfortunately, uh, another friend of the podcast here, blew a motor in practice but hung around to support his buddies. Uh, I really, man, I, uh, attitudes like that are are what make this sport go around. Uh, Greg Pass, he had a DNS and Justin Phillips who was like two seconds too fast. Anyway, I, I think he just decided to cut his losses. He went home early uh, unless something else happened. I'm not sure. Race was interesting with the with the breakout rule in effect. Um, you know, a lot of things were going on. However, Stephen Wright, who didn't race this year because of the breakout rule um, and was very vocal about his disdain for it, he did come out for this race. And as he reminded me in victory lane, he won the last Governor's Cup race, which you know I wasn't even thinking two years ago. So um, this race means this race weekend means a lot to him, with you know personally. So he wanted to come out and I'm telling you. Drove a perfect race. Had a best lap of 24.001 seconds. It's as close as you can get. Never broke out and uh, got himself another victory here in the bomb race ahead of Aaron Foy and Brandon Monroe, the champ. C.J. Creech was fourth. Larry Masters fifth. Jim Snyder was sixth. Seventh for Dustin Hayden who broke out. James Matthews eighth. Ninth for Charles Frittle. Brandon Gaither tenth. And Richard Monroe in 11th. Um, Again, the best lap time. A 24.001, which is 74.997 mile an hour. So basically, um, if you go 75 mile an hour, 75 mile an hour average, you're gonna break out. That's what that kind of equates to. Margin of victory, 1.259 seconds, average speed, 48.298 for the bomber A's. And they are going to have an outlaw style event. Big money race for the bomber A's. Thanks to Charles Frittle and New Smyrna Speedway for getting together and i uh, going to have a little fun, a little exhibition fun with these bomber-style cars. More on that coming in the future. But uh, And then I think we'll see kind of the mass exodus from some of the guys out of Bomber A's into Bomber B's for the regular season. And then we'll see a new crop of drivers take over the Bomber A's. And it, it's always cyclical. Bomber B's a little short on the field. Many of the drivers that normally come not here today. Um, but it would be Tony Bromley who got the win and would keep it this time. They had the right fuel in there. Dustin Hagden was second on this one. Tim Nichols had a uh, just a, a great run and got the third position. Chuck Rush was fourth, fifth for Leroy Racer. Chuck and, and Leroy made this race fun to watch. Chase Simon sixth, and Brandon Gaither running out the field. Now, the best lap time for the Bomber Bees was a 23.852. So for a Best lap speed of 75.465 mile an hour by Chase Simons. Average speed was 74.621 mile an hour, 4.299 second margin of victory for the Bomber B's. You know, I was hoping we get double-digit Bomber Bees because they put on... They stole the show at the World Series, in my opinion, and uh, unfortunately just didn't have the support this year, and that is... Uh, there's just extenuating circumstances where uh, many of the drivers that you would expect to be here just weren't for this one, and it just... If the drivers that showed up at least made it interesting. And then we had the Florida Southern ground pounders to wrap up the show and they put on a damn show. Let me tell you the battle between who, you know, some people were probably thinking, Oh man, Ryan's going to have to go interview that guy. Oh, where's it? What's going to happen here? Well, here's the thing, man. I'd rather bury the hatchet than carry a grudge, man. My back already hurts. And I've, you know, I've, I've carried enough weight over the last few years anyways. So, um, what I can tell you is this was a great race between two really good drivers of, of, you know, of days gone by. And, uh, it was nice to see Brian Bala back behind the wheel of a race car. I've never seen him race. Uh, I've heard about it. I've never seen him race. Ron D'Alessandro, I've seen him race and and become very good friends with him over the last few years. Great racer. Um, those two put on a wheel of a show. Ron chased down Brian Bala, who was driving the villain and, uh, got the lead and then spun out. Like he got the lead and he was so excited. Um, he stepped on a little bit in one and two and, and went around. We had a restart. Uh, Brian's back in the lead and then final set of corners. Ron sends it into the high side and drag race to the line. Brian Bala gets the win. And I think Brian Bala had maybe one of the, the nicest moves through traffic of the entire weekend when uh, coming off two, there were some lap cars. He drove right through the middle of them and boxed Ron D'Alessandro in off turn two. It was like the perfect trap like through the lap traffic, and Brian got the win. And look, if you've listened to the show for a long time or, you know, if you've seen shit on Facebook, um, yeah, we have not always gotten along. And, uh, you know, there's been some things said between both of us to each other, and that's okay. Um, I'm totally at the point now this far into my career where I know I don't have to agree with everybody, and I know not everybody's going to agree with me, and as far as I'm concerned, we can uh, agree to disagree on things And we can still be civil because that's where I'd rather have it. I don't need, like I said, just don't need to carry grudges. It's not worth it. So, um, look, if we have disagreements, it's all good in my book. And uh, I got a message from Brian this weekend, and he's like, hey, you know, I just want to thank you for the very good and professional interview. And I said, hey, listen, it's all water under the bridge to me. And as far as I'm concerned, we're good. So it's kind of nice. It was, I'm not going to lie, after the interview, And, uh, which like I said, it it was a great interview. Uh, he, he's got, he's got a great personality. So, um, when I shook his hand in victory lane, I felt a little vindication there and just, you know, a little, it it, it was nice. So congratulations to Brian and for everybody wondering if there's anybody just like, oh, those two don't like each other. Oh, are they going to, you know, what's he going to say? Or what are they going to do down there? Listen, it, it could be, uh, my worst enemy down there in victory lane and they deserve to be treated professionally and they deserve their spotlight when they win. So that's the way I look at all of that. And I'm just glad that um, more or less, uh, you know, the handshake heard round or the racing garage, maybe. O'Brien <laughs> gets the win. Ron Alessandro great second place run. Um, Toby Smith came home in third. Scott Cutter, he had a great run as well in fourth. Eddie Freeman rounding out the top five. Frank Pelkey in the 4D, beautiful machine. Man, I could have watched that thing run pace laps for the entire night. That thing's gorgeous. Scott Phobes, Art Koonsman, and Hake Sanders rounding out your field for the ground pounders, wrapping up the prelude to the cup. So, again, kind of looking at this year's Florida Governor's Cup backwards, if you will. Um, Kudos to everybody on Saturday for an efficient program. Holy cow, everybody drove smart, great, exciting races, and the excitement didn't have to come from people wrecking each other or body slamming each other, putting each other in the wall, spinning each other out. Yeah, there was some calamity and some action throughout the day, but you know, when you have seven features, you'd expect somebody to spin out. We had plenty of action and great racing without having to tear up a bunch of stuff going into the offseason. So that night was fantastic, and, uh, you know, uh, both Friday and Saturday at the racetrack were, were phenomenal. A lot of fun. Um, great hanging around with people. Just uh, a crazy, crazy weekend kind of on and off the track. So, um, But yeah, the, the prelude being efficient like that, even in the, in the time limits that were imposed on the, the support classes that ever came to play. So you guys got your time. You drove smart races. And again, it's a shame we lost the Sportsman, the EMODs, and the 602s, but like I said, uh, keep your armbands for red eye, and I mean, that's right around the corner. When you think about it, the red, we, the, the red week, the the red eye is like six weeks away, so enjoy some time off from the high banks, and uh, we'll see you at red eye here just around the corner. Um, I don't know what the plan is between then and now, and I'm not going to talk about it because I don't have any information on it, and if you know what I mean. I just, I don't, so, and I'm not going to say things that I don't know anything about, so... That's where I am with that, and yeah, Governor's Cup in the books. Felt good to be back at it after a, a year off. So I'll um, I, I'll be real with you guys. I'm going to take the week of Thanksgiving. There will not be a show. I'm going to go out of town, and instead of trying to rush to get a show that will kind of be half-assed out, I'm going to take a week off, and then the week after that, I'm actually going to bring on a uh, a special guest uh, back to uh, tell us about some good things just in time for the holidays. So. Um, that's the plan with the show next week. Um, the week of Thanksgiving, there will not be a show. Enjoy your time with your families. Uh, enjoy your time at the big I'll be back with the show after that. I will, you know, I'm not going to be able to go to the big but I'll, I'll peek in on it and I'll get my thoughts on that of course in uh, two weeks, but there is some more to talk about. There were some other tracks in action. So we're going to take our last commercial break and we'll come back for a quick around the state and then we'll get the heck out of here. Hey everyone, we're going to take a few moments here and thank some of our great sponsors with the Racing with Ryan podcast. And we're excited to welcome in a brand new sponsor because we know it costs a lot of money to get to the track these days. Whether it be your pit passes, your tires, your fuel, the parts you had to order just to get the car fixed. We know it's expensive, so we welcome on board the SponsorshipSeminar.com. Now we just had J R Longley on the show just a couple episodes ago. We got to learn all about JR and his expertise on the sponsorship side of things. And that's where the seminar comes in handy. So visit thesponsorshipseminar.com. It's only $99 and you can watch the seminar. Heck, get your whole team together. Get your friends together. Have everybody pitch in. Watch the seminar and learn these new ways and strategies to help you reach out and get those local sponsorships on your car to help lessen the economic impacts of our racing hobby that we love so much. Again, that is the SponsorshipSeminar.com with J.R. Longley. You'll learn ways and strategies on how to reach out and find those hard-to-find sponsors. And you'll also learn how you can give back to them that will hopefully create long-lasting relationships for years and years to come. Once again, that is the Sponsorship Seminar with JR Longley. We invite you to check out the SponsorshipSeminar.com To see all that they have to offer, you can click through, you can watch the little preview video, and you can order the seminar where you'll get 36 hours of replay access. So you can watch it once, you can watch it a bunch of times in 36 hours, you can watch it by yourself, and then like I said, invite everybody over to the garage to work on the car and watch the seminar at the same time. JR has over 40 years of sponsorship knowledge, and it's all available online for you at your fingertips for the first time once again that is the sponsorship seminar.com we would also like to thank american auto tires in service located at 1523 south dixie freeway in new Smyrna beach florida you can give them a call at 386-428-1941 of course that is ej's company and if you need anything done tires service you name it they have you covered, so make sure you stop into American Auto, or, of course, you can always get with EJ if you're at New Smyrna. Uh, he, you can find him pretty easily in the tire room or driving the pace car. They have all kinds of great deals. Um, look, I'm in the market for some tires. I'm going to be stopping in there in the next couple of months and getting my tires down there because I wouldn't trust anybody else because I know EJ is going to take care of us. They offer everything from free visual AC checks, tires, maintenance, repairs, any kind of service you need they even have wheels so american auto tires and service your one-stop shop in the new smyrna area for anything that you need done so make sure you check them out again 1523 south dixie freeway in new smyrna new smyrna beach 386-428-1941 stop in and see your friends at american auto we also thank Deberry paint and body for coming on board as a sponsor uh, of course, that is the two manillos. So let's just say you get into a little bit of a fender bender and you don't want to go through your insurance because you know they're probably going to hike up your rates and you're going to pay for deductible and you're still going to have to pay for all this stuff. Make sure you check out DeBerry Paint and Body because they will go ahead and handle that for you. If you got a scuffed up fender, if you got some dents in a bumper, if you got a door that needs replaced, DeBerry Paint and Body will take care of all of that. Um, they are open until about 6 o'clock each day. And you can get in touch with them by giving them a call at 386-320-0267. And they're located at 400 Chairman Court, Suite 200, Indybury, Florida, 32713. And again, their hours are typically 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. on the weekdays and 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Saturdays because, you know, they got to get out to the racetrack and whatnot. So uh, if you need any body work done, paint, body, whatever you need, Make sure you check out DeBerry Paint and Body. We also thank Bromley Motorsports for coming on board as a sponsor here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Of course, you can primarily find the Bromleys running at New Smyrna Speedway. They have a couple of Bomber Bs, the six machines out there for Bromley Motorsports. And they have some pro trucks that they run occasionally as well. Sometimes you can find them out at the dirt tracks having a little bit of fun as well. But we appreciate Bromley Motorsports for coming on board to support the show. So make sure you check them out next time you're at the new Smyrna Speedway. We also thank Jeff White Racing for coming back on board as a sponsor here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Of course, Jeff White Racing can be found bouncing between the Auburndale Speedway and the new Smyrna Speedway. Jeffrey White, driver of the 41 EMOD slash AMOD, has been one of the dominant forces. So if you're looking to get on board with a good racing team Make sure you check out Jeff White Racing and check them out at the Bull Ring at Aubredale and the Big Track over at the new Smyrna Speedway. We thank them for coming back on board and supporting the show. And again, if you'd like to come on board and become a sponsor or supporter of the show, we only charge $5 an episode, and you can do as many or as little episodes as you like. One episode, 100 episodes. You could do a season. It's completely up to you. You can sponsor a division. Whatever you'd like to do, we are open Um, just message us here on the race with ryan facebook page or give us a call or text us at 321-356-2934 and we'll be happy to work with you thank you again to all of our sponsors and supporters now enjoy the rest of the show all right everybody welcome back quick third segment here before we send you off to your uh well the week of thanksgiving really um Couple of tracks in action, including the Citrus County Speedway, who had their season finale and had a really good turnout of pure stock. So, we're going to go ahead and start there. Larry Welter Jr. picking up the win over Cody Struble. So, two of the best at that track, one and two. Doc Batson was in third. Jake Fitchner in that 49 machine. That, that car is getting pretty darn good. A couple of different tracks. He was fourth. Fifth for Jonathan Appleby. Travis Blotz was sixth. Seventh for Billy Smith. Kyle Courtney. Showtime regular finished in eighth. Ninth for Gregory Dick. Thomas Mayer running out the top ten, followed by Ryan Hino, Dakota Weiss, Neil Hearn, Justin Maher, Caleb Grossenbachers with a tough day. Uh, Only one lap down, though, so not sure what the deal was there. James Johnson, 16th, and Danny Chance running out the 17th position. So, again, good field. man. you can put, uh, you know, Fifteen sixteen 16 pure stocks on Citrus County. You're having a heck of a race. And they also ran mod minis as well. Uh, curious to see what they ended up with for cars. Uh, short field. Yeah, very short field. Clint Foley got the win in number 71. Kyle Stoner was second. Jay Zolziak was third and fourth for Brighton Prevatt, who uh, there's only two that finished on the lead. I, I'm i surprised. I really thought that Citrus County would get a few more um yeah, I thought they get a few more cars, especially since... I feel like I'm missing something here, but there's no way for... Like, the page is a little bit cut off, but there's no way for me to scroll down. So I'm not trying to do them an injustice, but it looks like only four cars showed up. With them running on Saturday, I figured, well, if Modern Minis really want to race this weekend, they could hit two tracks in one weekend. It'd be a hell of an effort, but Glenn Foley gets the win. I really thought there was going to be more. Uh, Ford Outlaws were in action. Now, they had a uh, bit of a stipulation where... They put up another decent chunk of change for the Ford Outlaws but said you could only be eligible if you race the Outlaw Vic, Crown Vic deal from a week ago. And they had uh, 17 cars show up. Sean Osteen and Justin Pittman DQ'd. And, of course, Zach Zach Curtis said, ooh, big money on the line. I'll see you there. He shows up and takes the money yet again over Thomas Beat. Eric Sharon was third. Chucky Hearn fourth. James Erb was fifth. 6th for Jesse Veltman, 7th for Sean Senakosov, Talon Kraft, in 8th, ninth for Nicholas Jenny, Corey Zavril in 10th, 11th for Keith Zavril, Clayton Coe was 12th, 13th for Neil Hearn, Sean Moore 14th, 15th for Robert Ray, and then the DQs that we talked about. Mini stocks were in action as well. They had two heats, so it looks like a decent field. Yeah, pretty, pretty good field of mini stocks, 14 as a matter of fact. Stephen Wyatt, the winner in the 85 machine. Ken Larsh was second, third for Stephen Paulton Sr. Eddie Evans was in the fourth spot. Ryan Wilson, fifth. Tyler Akers in sixth. Michael Nanfeld Jr. in seventh. Christopher Larson was in eighth. Dakota Cushing, ninth. Running out of the top 10 was Greg Johnson. They were followed by Michael Raley, Greg Valdez, Amber Peters. Long. Uh, Amber Peters was 13th. I'm not reading the rest of that. And Randy Shahid, God damn it, I can't read it anyways. Ricky Scheid rounding out the final finisher there. A couple of Bandolera races. Let's check out the results for the Bandolero Pro. Four-car field and Gerald White the third ahead of Bryson Carlbert. 1-2 there. Matt Hodges was third and Joseph Wise rounding out your four-car feature there in the Bando Pro's. And the red plate, which is basically, oh, come on now. Red Plate, which basically your your rookie division. Uh, Seven cars in this one. And Tinsley Myers got the win over Landon Heaton. Mason Welter, third, fourth for Keegan Chance. Jace Macklin in fifth. Camden Powers, sixth. And Heath Hino in the seventh position. So that was a quick look and rundown of the season finale, the regular season finale for the Citrus County Speedway. Obviously, if you've been listening to the show all the way to this point, you know where uh, where my attention was this weekend, so I don't know any of the ins and outs of any of this. Uh, I'm just not surprised to see Zach Curtis go over there and take the money. So, um, <clears throat> oh, excuse me, with I just knocked into the microphone, staying with my knee here. Um, with, with that said, Auburndale Speedway was in action Friday and Saturday night with um, Tour of Destruction, which. I did go look at their results page to see if they had, like, winners of any events. I figured I'd, I'd take a few moments and go over them. I think I'll have that stuff listed. I know Chris Rummel and those guys had a good night. I just know that that tour destruction, um, it might not everybody be everybody's cup of tea, but if you're just looking for a fun, crazy, carnage-filled night of entertainment, you know, you just, you just go out there and uh, enjoy that stuff. So two nights of it, though, man, that's back-to-back. That's got to be tough. Um, good thing uh, Steve and Bobby were able to get back together and and work that I know they have fun with that kind of stuff so um, like I said uh, jam packed house uh, for for whatever reason man you, you throw some school buses and a demolition derby with some flagpole racing and an enduro and a monster truck and you've got yourself a sold out show uh, it's just the way those things work it's, it's quite amazing because it, it pulls from the casual crowd everybody can go there Throw a couple back and have a good time. And uh, if you go to one of those events and can't have a good time, especially working it, I don't know what to tell you, man. So look to be two successful nights over there at Ommerdale. And again, I thank uh, Steve for coming all the way over to the Governor's Cup, working three, you know, two nights of tour destruction, and then a three-hour trip in the morning. And he got to the track before I did. So Steve's a damn trooper, and I appreciate it. Uh, I know, um, you know, I had already kind of made plans with Steve to, to come over after uh, some things had gone down at Aberdale, at and then come to find out Bobby's still in the game. And so I'll have to get, I'll have to get Bobby back over here. So, Bobby, if you listen to this, man, um, I appreciate your enthusiasm and uh, your want to be part of the show. And hopefully we'll get you over there soon. Uh, just things had worked out uh, differently than I thought and other plans were made ahead of time. So, anywho... Um, Auburndale still has some big races coming up. So since I don't have results for Auburndale and we still have time here in this segment, why don't we take a look about what's coming up here? night of destruction in the book, no racing on the 18th, no racing on the 25th, but they do have on December 2nd, the BG product, Southern Sprint car 40, along with mini stock 40. Um, that'll be a good little event to go to December 2nd, uh, says TBS um, I guess the TV show, the TV channel TBS, is going to be there. I'm just, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, charity race weekend is what I really want to get to. Saturday, December sixteenth, and Sunday, December seventeenth, for the charity race. So let me peek in here and let you know what they have coming up. They have on night one, they have Peer Stocks, they have AMods, Mini Stocks, and Crown Vics with Mini Cups. And then day two here, they have the Super Light models and the Pro Trucks scheduled. So Charity Race Weekend with uh, Pro and Super Late Twin 50s on Sunday. So um, you bet you I'll be out there at least for the Sunday show, if not for the Monday show, depending on uh, schedules and, and working some you know, life stuff out there. That'll always be fun. The, da- the Emil and Dale Rem- Rudiman Memorial, easy for me to say, will be this weekend at Volusia, Friday night and Saturday. I might pop in there Saturday night. Um, I'd like to get out there Saturday night, depending on the weather and other things going on, as I will be getting ready to leave the state for Thanksgiving weekend. Um, I, yeah, I'm going to try to get out there for that. I, I'm just not going to be able to podcast about it. So if I do get to the races this weekend, there will be no podcast about my trip. I can cover it in two weeks when we come back from the holiday. Um just trying to think if there's anything else. Um, you know, you got the Big Lee in two weeks after Thanksgiving. So uh all of that good stuff coming up, plus the snowballs right around the corner. There's plenty. My point is there is plenty of great racing action coming up here in big race season that I'm very, very excited for. And um again, we'll we'll be popping into these tracks as we're able to. Um, however, I am gonna make sure to get some family time in as well. So if I don't make it to every race, if I don't podcast every single week here, um, you know, don't worry, sponsors. I, if we have a week where there's no show, I don't charge you for an episode. Uh, I know none of you are worried about that, but I figured I'd make it clear just in case anybody else wanted to come on. Uh, but anyway, um, that's pretty much all All I have. I do have a few fun things planned, some, some more creative shows, which uh, normally don't – do as well. You guys really like it when we have a race to talk about. So, um those are usually the shows that do the best, but I have some things planned for the off season. Um like I said, it just won't it's not logistically possible for me to do a show without rushing it and half-assing it and uh I thought about bringing my computer with me and just recording an episode on my phone while I was up in Richmond. I'm just not going to do that. I'm 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 just going to I'm just going to take a week off. And I think it's important that everybody Every now and then, take a look at things, take a week off, spend some time with your family, and just enjoy life for a while. So, um, congratulations to everybody that had a great weekend. Um, for those of you that didn't have a great weekend, I'm sorry. Sometimes you just, even when things just aren't set up the way you think they should be, try to find a way to enjoy it. That's what I would say. Um, especially if you're going to make a trip and spend money, tr- just Try to find. I don't think I've ever left a racetrack regretting going to the racetrack, even on rainouts. Even the, the night I went to Auburndale and it was raining and we didn't get much racing in, I wasn't sad. I, I'm like, man, I'm going to just go walk around the pits and talk with people. And that was fun. So, like I said, just make the most of it. Just enjoy life. And instead of getting on Facebook and trying to blast a place for trying to put a show on, just, you know, hey. There, there's a difference between being harsh about something and being constructive. I prefer constructive. If you can't be constructive, then don't tear down the sport because too much of the sports already being torn down and nothing's being really, there's nothing being built up in the wake. So think about that. Um, you guys have a great weekend. If you go racing somewhere, if uh, if you're going out of town for Thanksgiving, please travel safely. Enjoy your Thanksgiving Eat some good food, watch some football, enjoy some uh, time with family because that's what it's all about. Appreciate you guys listening. Great show. Um, Yeah, just thank you for the continued support. You guys, every time I I go on the website and look, the numbers are great. So it's because you guys, sponsors, I I thank you guys so much. Um, It really helps uh, keep things running here uh, at at the studio. Um, So, yeah, man, I'm, I'm rambling at this point. I've talked enough this weekend. Um, My voice is still on fire, so I'm going to go ahead and extinguish it here. And thank you guys so very much for your continued listenership and support of the show and all the great friendships we're making here down the road. So with that said, get out there support your local Short Tracks. We will talk to you here on the next one. And goodbye and vroom, vroom on.